0: Uh, um, so How much is that?
1: And we're live here on the podcast editor mastermind show. Thank you all for joining us. Those of you who are watching the live stream and those of you who are tuning in to the podcast. I'm Jennifer Longworth of Bourbon Barrel Podcasting. And below me is...
2: Brian Ensminger of Top Tier Audio, and beside me is... Daniel Abendroth of Roth Media.
1: And above Daniel is our special guest for today, Lauren Wrighton. She's a podcast strategist and producer who helps female business coaches launch and grow a podcast that make an impact on their audience and businesses. She also uses her expertise in podcast production to teach freelancers how to become podcast managers and develop their own clientele. Welcome to the show, Lauren.
3: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you guys.
1: So you're a podcast manager.
3: In your own words, what does that mean? Yes, great question. That's the million dollar question of this uh, live and of this podcast episode. So I'm a podcast manager and that means that I help people manage their podcasts. And to dive more into it, it means I will edit, upload, schedule, write the show description, write show notes, help them with their promotion on social media, um, help them land guests. So really manage all the tasks that we all know a podcast takes to get it out the door each week. That's what a podcast manager does. So
1: you do all of that. Do you manage other people or do you do it all yourself?
3: Do, Do I have anyone on my team? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So I have people on my team through my course, but as far as me managing my clients, I do all of it.
1: How long have you been doing that?
3: So I've been doing this since 2018, started editing podcasts in 2017, but started being a podcast manager and really, really started my business fully in 2018.
1: Perfect. About how many clients are you serving right now?
3: So right now I have two clients, which is an amazing low number for me. But it's really because I'm focusing more on my course now. But I've had maybe 20 clients in the course of my career doing this. At the most – I work part-time, by the way. So at the most, I had like seven clients, which was <laughs> a lot because it was like 21 hours packed of work. So seven is my, is my all-time high at one time. And two is just so sweet.
2: So – I'm kind of in awe right now because I knew when you talked about what you did, because I I took the course, right? And I didn't realize you were literally doing all of the things. And when I think about the prospect of taking the client load that I have and saying, okay, now I'm not, I'm not just going to edit. I'm also going to help you book guests. And I'm assuming there's some content strategy going on with that as well. And then you've got all, all that stuff. Like how in the world do you even think about getting all that done without losing your mind?
3: Well, question. yeah, great question. And I think we have to remember... <laughs> Uh, like we were talking about before we went live about how I'm scared to for my kids to turn into teenagers. And it's the same type of thing that like, you know, you don't start with everything. You don't start like starting from the top of managing guests and doing all of it. So when I first started, I was just editing and then I was uploading and scheduling and writing descriptions. And then I was writing show notes and the guest management piece, which you really are involved in the person's business at that point, that came last in my kind of development. So yeah, it's, I guess that's that's the way is how do I keep it all together? It's like it actually I find it to be easier to do all of those things once I'm inside of someone's business and someone's podcast. It makes sense. I know them so well. Um, so so yeah, it's and also I only work on one client at a time. So I'm not managing everyone at you know, all over the place. It's really focused work.
2: I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping right into the weeds, but the, my the first question that pops into my head is okay. You manage them one at a time. Do you, how do you do that? Is it like a time block or one on one? Like I, I can't even wrap my head around it.
3: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So my my desired work hours. I I work part time, as I said, and I really I started working only from 7 p to 10 p because I was also wanted to be a stay at home mom. I was kind of doing both at the same time. So, I would literally just do one client at a time, and that's why I could only do 7 is because I only had 7 days in a week. I would get 99% of that done in the 3 hours. I knew how long stuff would take me. So, yeah, I would focus on one client a night. And so I wasn't I mean, I was somewhat communicating with people during the day, but as we know, like what, a podcast is such a machine that once you get it up and running, you need to make tweaks, but I wanted to make it as smooth on on my clients as well. So we we just really tried to focus on streamlining so that we didn't have a lot of like back and forth. And it was like, okay, it's Tuesday night. I'm going to do Brian's episode now. And everything was there. And if it wasn't, somebody was going to be, <laughs> somebody was going to be paying for it.
0: <laughs> so how did this come about? So you kind of talked about your progression from editing to now I'm doing this, this, this. Was that something that you're conscious about from the beginning, or something you grew into, or was it kind of more based on like what your clients were looking for?
3: Yeah, it was definitely conscious because what happened was back in 2016, my friend and I started a podcast. So I guess I technically started editing in 2016. Um, we just, you know, we were the DIYers, hobby podcaster, just like how do we make this happen? I don't honestly know how I how I made it. I. I don't like. I launched it. I don't remember any of that stuff, but but I was doing that. I was so I was editing our show, and I was also became a mom that same year. And so I was like, how can I how can I take this and make it into a part time job? I, I knew I loved podcasting. I wanted to make it happen. So I got on Upwork. And landed a client after so much effort. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, if any, any of you have been on Upwork, but it's a job board for anyone that's listening that doesn't isn't familiar.
0: I guess started on Fiverr.
3: Did you? Okay, so similar. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was actually Elance back then. If anyone, if we can take it back a couple years, uh, so I started on Upwork, landed a client, was just doing editing, thirty dollars an episode. Painful, mind you. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I have no, no background in this at all. Um, I actually went to school for neurobiology and then got a full time job in fitness. So, audio production, no, not so much. Uh, So, anyway, I, I, uh, that's how I got started. I was editing for this woman, doing a good job, but definitely taking forever. It was just taking me so long, and all of her episodes were different and. It just was – there was no end in sight. So I actually quit. I realized like this is just not worth it and I can't figure this out and like I'm going to have to figure out something else. I had no community. Like I, I didn't know I, – I don't know if these – like who was doing this and not – I mean I know there was podcast editors but I, I wasn't in community with anyone. So it was really difficult. But then I ended up meeting a virtual assistant coach a couple months like after I quit. I quit, on, I quit on this one client I had and I found someone who was a virtual assistant coach and she was like, oh, there's this whole virtual assistant world. So I, I started I, – I, t- I did that and then kind of brought together my podcast editing skills with my virtual assistant mindset and that's when I was like, oh, I can make something happen with podcast management and kind of took on that term as a podcast editor meets a VA. Okay.
2: I'm actually a little bit interested in that epiphany that you had, if where you said, "Okay, a VA World podcast editor, kind of bringing those together." What did what did that epiphany look like? Like, how did you come across that idea, and then go, "Okay, this is actually what I'm going to do." Like, how did you walk through that process?
3: Yeah, so it was in February of 2018. I started as a virtual assistant, and I still had the podcast with my friend this whole time, a podcast about fitness, and this virtual assistant coach that I met. She, I took her course to become a virtual assistant and she was wanting to start a podcast. And, and so I was a virtual assistant and she's like, don't you, you have a podcast, right? Like, don't you, don't you edit? And I was like, yeah, but like I have tried it and I, I just, it wasn't, you know, I was it wasn't working for me. And so I was really resistant to going, to going back to podcast editing as a service. And, and she said, well, I, I'm, you know, I want to start a, a podcast. And it was a couple months later after I'd met her. And she's like, you know, you're the person I know. Would you do this for me? And I was like, well, yeah. Like I totally – I love this. I just didn't think anyone would pay me for it. That was my, my mindset block around it. And so I I launched her podcast. I launched hers and I was still didn't know if I could niche down and only be a podcast manager. But she told me to go for it and it was pretty much an experiment. But I landed six other clients within like three months of that time. I was like, okay, yeah this is a thing. There's there's an opportunity here.
0: So when did you start calling yourself a, a podcast manager? And like, what, what was that, that shift?
3: Really from the start of deciding that I was going to go from virtual assistant to podcast manager, I decided I was going to use this term podcast manager. And the reason was, was because the people that I was surrounded by, they were social media managers and Pinterest managers. And so it was like, I wanted to be very clear as to who I what service I was providing. And I was providing the same type of thing a social media manager was providing, but for a podcast. So I was very intentional about using that term. Although, of course, a lot of people were like, what is that? I'm like, oh, I will tell you. Uh, and I'm still getting that question today. And it's a it's a well, I don't want to say I made it up because I'm sure I didn't. But people were like, Wait, what does that really mean? It's kind of intuitive, but it still, you know, begs a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, because I struggled with, like, what to call myself, because, like, I've always called myself an editor, but, like, I've been offering, like, uploading and scheduling and kind of the management aspect. I don't do show, well, I outsource show notes, so I do offer it to my clients, but I don't do it myself. So I've been doing this for years now, but I've never figured out, like, what to call myself. Like, podcast manager is just so, like, on the nose, like, the perfect term.
3: Right. Yeah, it's broad enough too that like when I listed the services earlier, not every podcast manager offers all of those and not every podcast manager, like you said, they'll offer it but they outsource it because we all have our strengths. And one one thing people ask me a lot is like, well, how can you be good at all of those things? I'm like, well, most people aren't good at – aren't great at all of them. You know, I'm not going to lie. We're not all good at graphic design and writing and editing and all of this. But you can get started as a podcast manager by doing a lot of them and then and then find your way like, "Oh, I really love the editing. I really love the writing. I really love the whatever it is." And then and then outsource or or just focus on on what you love. And you do
1: guest booking as well?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I see that question come up in podcast forums on Facebook a lot about who books guests? How do you book guests? So I do you have any like, I don't know, tricks about booking guests?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds more intimidating than it needs to be. It's I think that's one people one of one of people's holdups is that they think like, oh, then I'm gonna be responsible for like what if I can't land anyone or what if I like those kind of things pop up. I think it's really an organic service add on when you when you are have been working with someone and you know their audience really well and you have a really good feel for their show, you know like oh, they should have this person on, and also if you're working with the same type of people like you're you know you're working with authors or you're working with parenting coaches or something then you're you yourself are in that space and you know the players you know like who's coming out with a book and like you you already have your thumb on. who could be a great guest. So that's why I find it to be pretty organic as an add-on. But as far as like tips on, your question was basically like tips on actually landing client or landing guests. Is that what you asked? Well,
1: what I'm hearing is that it's relationship-based. And if you have Uh, the strong relationship with your client, you're gonna naturally discover guests for them in the relationships. But that's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, for sure. So what type of skills does it take to be a podcast manager? I mean.
3: Yeah. So really, it's best if you have like the project manager personality. So you like to manage things. Um, There is some babysitting your client involved, which as (laughs) editors, you're already doing that. Um, So there's, ultimately, I think one of the great things that a podcast manager brings to the table is that they're the last person that they're the person that makes sure everything is ready. So your client is no longer the person that says is the is everything ready for the podcast that's going live tomorrow or whatever you know whatever that is you become that person and that's one of the huge value pieces that you bring to the table, but that also means that you have to be the type of person that can manage that, can manage the details. So there's some definitely detail-oriented, but also some top-level thinking that has to be involved. And I find, you know, someone that takes initiative thrives in this position because they can expand their role with a client just because they're one to take initiative, like with the guests. They, They bring their clients guests even though they're not, they're not contracted to do so, and then the client's like, "Oh, well, shoot, this is amazing. I would love for you to do this for me, you know, on a more consistent basis." Um, so, initiative. Majority of the time, a podcast manager will edit. So, editing skills um, are key. Sometimes, like people in my course, some some of them don't do not edit, and they really want to be that project manager, and so they outsource the editing to an editor. Um, so, I would say the management personality is is most is most key for most of the managers that, that I know.
2: So I'd like to kind of key off of that, right? Cause I, I would assume that there are some people listening right now that are going, okay, I'm a great editor. I don't know if I would be a good pod- podcast manager. Are there some, we've talked about some of the personality traits, but are there things that they can look at in their work history that maybe aren't related to whether or not they take a leadership role in somebody's show? Because that, you know, as an editor, it can feel really weird to start, taking over control or, you know, some part of control over a show when it hasn't actually been given to you? Because some people, some of your clients will expect you to just fill that role, do it really well, and then go on. So what would you look at if you were going, okay, this person might have what it takes or might not?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I guess, a desire to be more involved. Like some of the editors that I've spoken with, they love the fact that they get to work you, – you probably will work on more shows as an editor than you would as a podcast manager because the role is bigger. So if you love working with 10 plus whatever clients and you like just kind of like the one and done – Type of relationship, then you, you might be best as an editor. If you want, if you want to get in and help the person grow, if you're kind of want to kind of invest in people a little bit deeper, then that would be a good sign that podcast management might be a better fit. Something that you said though, I, I'm spacing it now. I don't know. Yeah, it I was probably spacing
2: <laughs> it when I said it. So just. <laughs> yeah, I know
3: it'll probably it'll probably come back. But um, but yeah, so I would say you know, it, and writing. People don't realize that like podcast management has a lot of writing involved and you can outsource it, but it's more difficult to outsource in my opinion. So you don't have to be great at like graphics. People can help you with graphics, but writing, if you enjoy writing show descriptions, if you enjoy like pulling out stuff that's from the episode for show notes and stuff, then I think that could also be a key that, hey, this this is something people are really looking for. So if you enjoy doing it, then podcast management might be the place for you as well.
2: If I can then just kind of take that one selfishly, take that one further. So let's say, for example, that I have a show that I currently edit and the host doesn't really like writing the title and the description. And I think about approaching that as an add on. How would I think about pricing that in relationship to the work that I'm already doing? Because you could make the case that it shouldn't like it shouldn't be a one for one if it takes me 2 hours to edit an episode it shouldn't also take 2 hours to write the episode notes but it's also not like 10 minutes and done right there's a lot of focus that goes into that how do you how would you recommend somebody approach pricing that as a, as an add on
3: yeah and i you reminded me of my question of going from being in this editor relationship with someone to then being in a real in a like a podcast management relationship it is different so i, I can go in i can answer that at the at the end of this but If you were – if you thought in your head like, okay, I want to add on like one service or I want to try out writing these descriptions for this client, what I would do personally is I would say, hey, I'm now offering these additional services whatever it is that you potentially wanted to do but i would do, i would try to do more than one and you you could say are you interested in adding on these services and if they say hey yeah let's do show description and, and uploading that's something you know everyone wants to get off their plate then you would i would say you would want to completely change your, the way that you're presenting your pricing to them so if you have like oh you know a per episode editing or i'm not sure if you if you want to let me know how you do it but I would then put it into a package and say, like, this is your pod- podcast management package now. Because then they're not seeing, like, oh, well, he's charging me $50 to write a description. That's not really worth it. They're not seeing that kind of exchange. Instead, they're seeing he's doing all of these things for this price and that's worth it. There's a there's a mentality switch that happens. I would say, like, oh, it's going to be – I wouldn't say – it's going to be $50 extra dollars for, for me to write the description. They'll probably be like, meh. That's okay, if you say, "Okay, hey, this is what it would look like for me to do all of these things then it's it's presented differently
2: sure, I guess I was thinking like internally, how do I think about pricing I would definitely approach it as a package right and go, gotcha. okay, if this is what you want, this will be the new price that that totally makes sense you You remembered something, so i, I want to make sure I leave space for you to
3: yes, I was going to say if you're if you're in the position where where you're thinking, okay I, I am an editor, and how do I go?" how do i pivot into a podcast manager with clients i think that can be tough to be honest i think sometimes you have to leave behind some clients that know you for that one thing in order to kind of go into something else so you were you were saying like how do you, yeah how do you you're just in this very comfortable spot with them you're their editor i've tried to pivot into like one of my first clients i have like four first clients in my head so excuse me, I say first client, it's like five different people. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, one of my first clients, I just edited for and it was at a low rate. And I tried to move into podcast management and she didn't see my value. And I was like, well, how do you, you know, it's tough to like take someone from you know thirty dollars an ep- episode to a hundred. They're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> when did this girl when did this girl learn anything or whatever? So I think sometimes it can be tough. You have to kind of more utilize what you've learned and the testimonials you've gotten from those editing clients and instead kind of get into new clients as a podcast manager
2: i I like that, and I am being a little bit selfish in asking this because I do have a client that's already asked me about this kind of thing, so I know that there's an interest. <laughs> I just don't know how to approach the pri- pricing, and frankly, as a person who works full time and also edits, it's a little bit challenging to go, okay, what is this time worth to me that I think that they would be willing to pay? Because, you know, to write the episode notes and the description, that could be another hour for every episode,
3: right? Theoretically, yeah. right? I don't know. Yeah. When you say episode notes, do you mean like a short description, or do you mean like show like notes? a blog, right. like the
2: blog post that g- would go with it? So probably something less than a thousand words, but more than three hundred.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that that I that does usually take me like an hour. When I think of editing, it's usually I usually like budget an hour ish to do like writing the, the episode description and show notes and uploading on all of that. So yeah, you're right, you know, and you've gotten a system together because you you know you've been editing for a while. And so how do you? What's that time to you? And, and maybe you put out the number that feels right to you. And if they say no, you're like, okay, that's what would feel best for me right now. But I think too, if you're if you're giving someone a price for like just like a show description and uploading, that's more of like a convenience to them. The price isn't like that high because it's 'cause it's not that much. If you're doing show notes and like social media graphics, then it's a bigger package. But if you're if you're just adding on something small, it's more of like you're testing to see if you want to go further with this client. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Okay.
2: I think so.
1: Well, one of our questions had been if you're a podcast editor. What's the next logical step towards becoming a podcast manager? And I've heard you say many times it's show descriptions and uploading. That just keeps coming back around to what you're saying. Would that be your next logical service to provide?
3: Yeah, yeah, I would say that. And if you're if you really just want to take like a half step, I would say description and in um uploading. But then I would say if you want to take a full step, it would be. Show notes with those two, and then possibly like social media graphics. Because the way I see social media graphics is like updating social media graphics, and like pulling clips so that you're creating audiograms. You're not necessarily, you're likely not creating brand new graphics, so you don't you don't need to have a ton of like additional experience creating graphics. You can just edit their graphics that they already have, and you're already editing, so you're already in the audio. So you pull clips. It's convenient, very convenient for them because if they are doing audiograms, that means they're paying someone to listen to the show and pull out clips to create audiograms. And so when you say, oh, actually, I can do all of that, number one, in their mind, it's so much cleaner. They're, they're willing to pay for that, but it also can be kind of a, a smooth system for you as well.
2: Are there things that you've ever considered offering to your clients that have turned out to be non-value added mm. in terms of like, they, they're like, yeah, it sounds great, but no. Yes. No, I don't care.
3: Yes, I do have something. So I was trying to really raise my prices at one point. I was like – I I grew my business and then I was like, okay, I need to raise my prices. And I was kind of going into the second phase of my business. Uh, this was maybe back in in 2019. And so I decided that I was going to start offering strategy, you know, like podcast strategy. That's a thing. And so I started – on like discovery calls, I was chatting with potential clients and I was, and I would tell them like, oh, well, you know, I am very strategic in everything I do. And I just was like strategy, strategy, strategy. And I remember one really blunt, people were saying no, by the way. And one really blunt person I talked to, appreciate this woman very much because it it was a huge light bulb moment for me. She was like, I'm a, I'm a seven figure business owner or whatever, fill in the blank. And I have a business coach. Why would I hire you for strategy? And I was like, oh, okay, good point. And so what I realized was I, I just needed to raise my prices. I didn't need to have a new term or I didn't need to over explain what I was doing. I didn't need to add fancy words. I just needed to raise my prices. And I actually went to a conference and heard something and it all clicked together. And so I just raised my prices and I don't, I don't, over, I don't overkill on the strategy anymore.
0: That's huge. I remember we were talking to Brittany Felix and that was kind of like her thing. It's like, you don't need to justify that your rates are going up. They're just going up.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, the longer we work with clients, the more experience we have. We know it works. And so it's just experience. You're, If you have to have a reason, it's experience.
0: Yeah. So what are some pitfalls into, as far as like podcast management? Because you're taking on a lot more responsibility, taking on more on your plate. So what are some like pitfalls to kind of, that you've run into and like that we should look out for if, for those that are looking to get into this? Yeah. Yes. Thank you.
3: Yeah. I would say. <laughs>
0: what are your nightmare stories?
3: <laughs> yeah. I would say client boundaries because you're opening the door for, th- for you to take on all of these like small my, minor perhaps things that they want. Um, but then it's like if they ask you, oh, hey, can you start thinking of a Facebook Live topic for me based on my podcast episode? They're like, oh, sure. you know, And so you just add that on. And then it's like uh, five, 10 more things that they've added. You have to be so clear on when they've crossed the line, when you need to you need to raise the price, and so I I love like when people give me words to use for my clients. Like, tell me what to say. <laughs> I need to know what to say. So what I tell people is like, when you you can add some stuff on because if you, if your rate is high enough, you're like, yeah, I can I can do that. That sounds great. That's that's very organic for me to do. But if once you, once it's like, no, I need to I need to raise the price, you can say like, oh, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, let, I will send you an updated invoice or I'll I'll send you an updated proposal. And then if that looks good, then I'll send you, like, a new invoicing contract. Because then it signals to them, like, okay, this is a different price. This is a different package. Some clients, they don't realize that, like, oh, is this included? Is it not? It that's not really their responsibility to, like, keep track of, like, everything that you're doing for them necessarily. So you need to remind them, hey, this is the boundary. And – we could probably could talk about client boundaries this entire time, but this is the boundary <laughs> and I'm happy to do this and it's going to be a different price. And I'll let you know what that is in your email.
2: I'm taking notes because that <laughs> Facebook know, live that topic sounds like a great, <laughs> a great possibility to add to go. Okay. When I listen to your episode, I'm already put, you know, pulling a clip. Um, I'll also send you one or two topics that you could talk about. And that then becomes part of the package that actually you're not really delivering, right? Cause they still have to deliver the live. But yeah. Yeah. You're providing them the idea. That's yeah. yeah.
3: Or here here's an even a newer one that I'm testing out for my show is I'm having my podcast manager think of or just pull out like a tip or two from the show. And it it might not be a tip always, like if it's a guest interview it just might be like a whatever, like a golden nugget from every show and I'm going to try to create a reel from them for Instagram. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go because I'm not a, I'm not 100% great at reels, but that's, that's my new thing that I'm testing. Very cool.
0: Okay. Let me uh, write that down real quick. Yep. Totally. (laughs) Totally stealing your ideas right now. Go for it. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what this highlights is, so like whenever I started adding on services for my clients, my, the strategy behind that is that I want to be indisposable. Like I want to be so valued to the process that the idea of like them finding someone cheaper or like, moving on from me is so uncomfortable because like I'm so ingrained and so um, they see the value of what I bring. And just like all these little things are just like great ways to take more off their place so that they can focus on whatever they're doing, their business or whatever. And it just makes you invaluable to their to what they're doing. Yeah,
3: yeah. definitely. It-
2: It's like the opposite of T-Mobile where you're waiting for the contract to run out so you can switch companies. Like, (laughs) you actually want to stay with Daniel. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Because,
0: I mean, I hate to say this, but you can find cheap editors. Like, if you're just editing, like, there's plenty of people. And as, like, our industry grows more and more, you're going to find a lot. It's going to be pretty saturated. But if you can build that relationship and then just, like, ingrain yourself into, again, every little bit of the podcast, then it'd be really hard to find somebody to replicate that.
3: Yeah. And I would say one one way that, you know, you have to yeah, you have to think of creative ways to bring value to their show and to their business, and one key thing I think is being a true listener of their show. Like if you're going to actually listen to their show even if you don't work with them, then that means that you are like Like I said earlier, you're like you're following the other people that are in their industry. You're you're reading the books. Maybe you're you're just in it. And so you can give them you can give them some great ideas just because it's like, oh, I I know this space. When you don't know the space, it's a lot more work because you're not just doing it in your spare time. You know, you're not like scrolling through Instagram, basically working for them because you're you know, you're following all the people that they follow and things like that.
1: So let's say I'm an editor and I am an editor, but I want to start adding these services, but I don't know how to do any of these things. So where can people go to up-level their skills for this? Well,
3: I have a course. Do you want Do you want to hear about that or do you want to hear about yeah. other ways? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, let's, this let's seems like both. too easy of a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I ha- I have a program where I teach that. So there's one way, very easy way that you can do that. I would say if if that's not your answer, you know, then finding people, being in community with people that are doing this and – well, I guess two things. Ask people, hey, how are you doing this? How are you promoting your shows? How are you, you know, doing this and that? Um, but then also – you can just you can just see what's working in the podcasting industry like if you want to just add on episode descriptions then look at how people are writing their descriptions you know what's what's the most common practices is do you think that's working do you so just doing some just education by by researching podcasts i think you can learn a ton from just doing that
1: so where do we find this community you keep talking about
3: well, I mean, there's your guys's podcast editor community. I have a free Facebook group called the Podcast Manager uh, Mastermind, and then you know, there's other there's other places on the on Facebook that I feel like these communities have just gr- exploded over the last couple of years. Um, I think there's a lot of great co- conversations happening in those Facebook groups, and people are just really willing to share what's working. I think there's some like tech talk where people try to like out you know, outdo each other. (laughs) If you can get past that, then you can learn a lot.
2: (laughs) Are you talking about me again?
3: (laughs) I'm not calling anyone out on here, but (laughs) (laughs) that's my pet peeve is I'm like, I always think about the person that's just brand new and they're like, RX-8, I can't do this. You know, they're like, so I'm just like, hey, it's fine. You can do it. Stick around. Mm -hmm.
2: So we've talked a little bit about education. One of the things I'm wondering is what do you wish that you would have known before you got started?
3: Mm, that's a great question. Gosh. Well, part of me wishes I would not have started on Upwork. I wish I would have found clients mm. through, through Facebook and things like that, but whatever, All, you know, our experiences, our experiences. Um, I think I probably would have raised my prices sooner so that I could have kind of gone deeper with people and felt, felt a little bit more ease. Uh, but, I don't yeah, I but because of that I've worked on a lot of different kinds of shows, so I, I probably would just I would probably say the pricing piece. I definitely, you know, hadn't my prices low for for too long. Um so probably that. I think a
0: lot of a lot of us a lot of people aren't as <laughs> guilty of that. Yes. Maybe <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. So let's talk about how you find clients. It's a mm-hmm. frequently mm-hmm. asked question. Good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for our listeners and in Facebook groups, like, oh, I need clients. How do I find them? So, how do you find clients?
3: Yes, I love this question. Uh, well, I I would first say, who are you? Who do you want to work with? And if your if your answer is anyone that will pay me, then I would say, let's think a little harder. Let's, let's take it back a step. Let's think about somebody that you really want to work with. Because the easy answer is like, oh, Facebook groups, like that's like the first place that people find clients, right? But Maybe not. Or maybe you're like, I, I can't, I hate Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook. There's other options. So if you're thinking about who you really would love to work with, you know, where are they at? If they're an author, if they're a, they're maybe more of a CEO type, then maybe LinkedIn. Um, some of my students like only focus on LinkedIn networking and it's so much less saturated than Facebook. So it has that going for itself. There's less people of, you know, less potential clients, but if they're looking to, if they want to work with someone who's a little bit more corporate or a lot of authors are on there, then that's a great option. The Facebook groups, especially if you're like going for coaches, parenting coaches, business coaches, those type of people are definitely on Facebook. Instagram has been, I think has been up on the uprise. Um, and then the biggest one that's being talked about in my community is Clubhouse. So I don't, I mean, I think I think just because of the the fact that you're like actually hearing someone talk live, that, that relationship is built quicker. And so that's why it's been effective for people. But Clubhouse and then also like cold pitching. I just actually talked to someone today about how she cold pitched. So she sent a cold email to an organization that she's really passionate about and she they don't have a podcast. She pitched them a podcast and they they said yes. And I'm like... I love when that, like, that's that's impressive, right? Just cold pitching to a podcaster is one thing. (laughs) Cold pitching to just, you know, whatever. Now, this is a very niched topic. It was a Native American type of business. And so it's like, and she's Native American. So it was like just a match made in heaven. Um, But still, I was just like, ah, gosh, I love this. So cold pitching people, podcasters, doing it well. We could talk about (laughs) mistakes there. But that's really effective, too.
0: Let's talk about those mistakes.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I wanted
1: to follow up on the LinkedIn thing. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: sure. Um, LinkedIn,
1: I because I have podcast in my description or whatever, I get spammed by podcast promoters a lot. And um, how do you differentiate yourself from that pack?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, specifically on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, specifically, LinkedIn is where I get the most of that. Actually,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I would probably say like leading with value instead of instead of just trying to like, hey, hey, I love your podcast. Do you have a podcast manager? You know, instead of just like kind of just trying to like ring them in with that that hook, um, I would say probably just leading with more value. I, I did a podcast episode with a LinkedIn. I don't know if she'd consider herself a LinkedIn expert, but a LinkedIn person <laughs> and guru. Uh, yeah guru and she was talking about how she she recommends people to use like an opt-in or a freemium PDF style um, thing on LinkedIn so like you you make a connection with someone you chat for a couple mi- a couple minutes and then you you give them a freebie not to capture their email but just a freebie and she said that works really well on LinkedIn people are really looking for value and so then at the end of the PDF or whatever, it has your contact information. But that's what that's what I've heard works well on on LinkedIn. Yeah. So I, I feel like w- the way you talk would also just d- differentiate yourself from all of the other spammer types. Yeah.
2: Daniel, you had a
0: question. Oh yeah, let's talk about the the mistakes, mistakes. That you mentioned.
3: <laughs> yes. Okay. Let me just think of think of the mistakes. I actually my uh I told you guys that I started a podcast with a friend. She's still doing it just by herself. And she, she'll tell me when people, people will reach out to her and say like, hey, do you have a podcast manager? We'll just ask her. And she, she's like, please, I hope they, they are not in Lauren's group (laughs) because this is bad. You know, it's just a small, a small circle. So I would say just like saying like, hey, oh, Daniel, I love your Instagram, like I love your Instagram profile. I love what you post. Do you have a podcast manager? It's like, (laughs) You're just waiting for it. You know, you're just waiting for them to pitch you. Um, So that I would avoid. I like to be really formal about cold pitching. Like I like to send an email and follow up and follow up. And so I know like people definitely cold pitch over DMs, um, but it just can be slimy. It's like you just have to do it. You have to be genuine. Actually, my daughters listen to a podcast called Kids Short Stories. I'm like their number one fan. And so I'll post about it on Instagram because it's like the cutest thing ever that my kids will, my kids will sit for like 40 minutes and listen to this podcast. And so I was so, like unintentionally growing a relationship with this host. And he actually reached out to me recently and said, hey, I would love to get on a call with you to see if you would manage my show. And I, I'm, I don't take on clients anymore. So I referred him to someone else. But I was like, this was like the most organic relationship building. And it took like six months, I guess, but <laughs> I wasn't really doing it on purpose. But yeah, if that was very genuine. And, and so if you're, if you're in it for the long haul, I would say like tagging your favorite podcasters in your Instagram stories and doing things like that that really help promote them, then you can get on their radar and then maybe sending a formal email. That's like my, my favorite approach.
1: So it's providing value and building relationships again.
3: Yeah, yes, always. Always.
0: What a crazy idea. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not being spammy. <laughs> Don't be spammy. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many DMs I have ignored over the <laughs> over the years.
3: Yeah, well, I I, I can't ex- I can't explain how many people I get that are like, "Hey, if you ever need help on your show, I'm a new podcast editor." And I'm like, do, do you know what I do? Cuz it doesn't sound right. like it. I know a lot of podcast editors. I don't <laughs> I don't need any more.
0: <laughs> yeah, like and if you're like just like the bare minimum amount of research. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I get emails saying like, hey, I love your Instagram post. It's like, I haven't posted on Instagram in like (laughs) a year and a half now. Like, what are you talking about?
3: (laughs) Which one from 2019 are you referring to? the one in my cat (laughs)
0: or the one in my look? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) what are you talking about?
3: Yes. Yes.
2: You mentioned the thing about people reaching out to you that are editors. One of the challenges that I've had uh, in working with other editors, trying to bring some other editors to, like as subcontractors is effectively pre-screening in a way that doesn't waste their time and waste mine. Do you have any tips on how you've helped people pre-screen so that they know that the person that they're talking to is at least really close to being qualified before they ask them to invest some time in like a sample edit or something?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I would probably start out Assuming that they have some sort of experience, which I'm sure that they would, you're not like you're not gonna be training them, right? On Hope editing. Not. Yeah. <laughs> you're like please no. <laughs> I, I don't have
2: that kind of time. Right. I'm trying to
3: get back time. Right, right. So I would say just you know, having them send you an edit that they've already done. And I only need I only need like two minutes. If I if I listen to a two minute clip, I, I can tell. I can tell what the The positives and the negatives are so it's not. I don't think that piece of it listening would be that time consuming. Maybe you do five minutes, but having them just submit from the get go, you know, I don't really care about what someone's experience is, like how many people they've worked with, or that number doesn't really matter. But what does it sound? What does their audio sound like? If you're hiring them as a subcontractor editor, you need to know that it sounds good. So give me maybe a before and after, so I can I can see the difference. Um, But two minutes. And I think you're like, okay, this is a yes or a no. And then from there, if you weed down, you know, how many people that you have, then you could have maybe a, you know, 15 minute conversation and then you can feel out their personality and and things like that. Thank you. Yeah.
0: That's really good. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's in the course?
3: Yeah. So it is three phases. The first phase is learning the skills. So the skills being Editing, uploading, scheduling show notes, social media graphics, guest management, and launching. How to launch a show with a client? So those are the skills, and then and like pulling uh, stats. I always forget about that one. Uh, de- delivering oh. stats to clients. Uh, so those are the skills that I cover. And then the second phase is getting experience, getting testimonials, getting your confidence up because Lord knows we all need a little bit of conf- confidence boost. You're like, okay, I'm ready to do this. I feel attacked. (laughs) (laughs) I know you so well. Uh, Third is actually launching your business. So how to structure your packages as a podcast manager, um, how to display your prices and your, um, how to design your proposals, you know, after you get on a call, the process of landing a client, like all of that stuff, um, onboarding and then client boundaries. As I said earlier, I love, love, love client boundaries. And so that's, that's part of that whole launching and, and growing your business.
2: And I should probably mention that uh, so that just everybody is aware I did buy Lauren's course and that's how I connected with her. Yeah. So the, uh, there is a little bit there and I can say I'm probably only halfway through it because I have a tendency of taking multiple courses at the same time, which slows <laughs> me down and it <laughs> is exactly what you shouldn't do. Um, but I found it to be very helpful for the portion that I've made it through so far.
3: That's <laughs> so great. That's I great. I thought it was very good. Thank you so much.
2: The, the
0: stat aspect intrigues me because like I get on quarterly calls with my clients and we look at the stats. Um, like, Like, whenever I first got started out, I always wondered, like, how can I present the stats? Like, give them, like, a report or something so they can see, like, how their stats are going. And then I never really kind of materialize something. So that that kind of fascinates me, Mm -hmm. how you do that.
3: Yeah. So I find that it really depends on the client. It's like people really love to, like, have a really smooth system. And I love systems. I love streamlining. But every client is different. And when it comes to stats... Every client is different. Some clients want every number or they already have a metric key, a metric dashboard that they want you to plug information into and they love stats. That's Then that person is going to want a lot and they're probably already going to have a system. There's other people that like I have a client and she's like, just slack me like something you found interesting. So I – that's what we do. She doesn't – She she's like – everything is just kind of blends together. So I'll make sure that – for her. <laughs> so I'll make sure she knows when we're going to hit like milestones and when she has like a – like when she's on the charts or something significant. And then also for her, because she's just kind of interested in the highlights, I'll also let her know, um, you know, if she gets like a really great review or like a really unique review or something. So I, I'll tie reviews into that and just kind of – I feel like it's like an adrenaline shot. It's like – Hey, by the way, the podcast is doing great. Um, so I try to send her something minimally monthly for that person. Um, so i, I really, I've really just try to see what they want. I have a, I have a system of like what I will send everyone um, and what I recommend. But then, as you see what the client actually cares about, then you you kind of trim away or expand based on on what they care about the most.
0: And how often are you looking at their stats?
3: Um, I would say weekly, just because I'm scheduling for them. So, like whenever I schedule, I'll just look and see, you know, where we're at, and I'll do some some math on, you know, what what the what things have looked like. And I don't know if you guys are Libsyn users, but now that Libsyn is updating, their stats are going to be like at the top, and they're going to show like ninety day ninety day downloads and just some numbers that are actually really great to see. Nice, cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Winning a while for this. I'm kinda of excited about it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So
1: if people are interested in this course and learning all about what you offer,
3: how can they find it? Yes. Yeah, so I have a master class where I go into how to become a podcast manager, um, even if you don't take my course, but I also talk about the course at the end. And so you get to hear about all of the the phases that I spoke about earlier, but also the bonuses and kind of how the whole the whole program works together. So I would say first for them to go watch my masterclass because um, then they can get a really deep dive into what this is all about. Is that on your website? It's on my website, yes. But they can also get a seat at laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass. Very good.
0: Yeah. And of course, we'll put all the links to everything in the show notes. Uh, which you can find at podcasteditorsmastermind.com. And then also, we had a comment from, so if you're listening to the audio playback, uh, we had a comment from Elizabeth who said that I'm in the course and highly recommend it. So, so far in this one episode, you got two recommendations one from Melissa and one from Brian. So, yeah,
3: yeah. this is great.
0: Two
2: <laughs> isn't bad, right?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, not, not so bad at all.
1: <laughs> so, what's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from this time with you?
3: Yes, if you had to pick one thing, I would say you know considering that I'm assuming everyone that's listening is an editor. So with that in mind, I would say you know if you're thinking about this, know that you can definitely do it. I think we kind of identify your, ourselves as one thing, and it's and so can we can we be a podcast manager? Or are We just an editor, and there's a little bit of like value, like am I worth that? Can I do this? Do, are my skills good enough? And so I would just say, and enc- I would just want to give some encouragement that if you're interested in this, I think you should look into it. Um, take a step at a time and just know that, Hey, you can, you can look into it, see if it's a good fit for you. If it's not, then the, no, then no big deal. But I would just say encouragement is what I would want to, to give across the sound waves.
2: So are we ready for the pod decks question of the day?
3: I Mm -hmm. think we are. Uh, I
2: don't know if we'll ever be ready, but... (laughs) So for those watching or those listening, we do have a pod deck. They do not sponsor the show. Please don't tell them we do this because they may make us stop. But today's (laughs) pod deck's question of the day has been slightly modified, and I just pulled it a minute ago, so I haven't had much time to think about it either. It is, what's the funniest name you can think of for a pet's podcast? What? The funniest name that you can think of for a pet's podcast. And I'll go first. Mine is going to be Escaping the Hamster Wheel. Tales from the Cage.
3: That is too good. <laughs> I am not ready for this. <laughs> well,
2: should we do Daniel next? Yes. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> under the bus.
0: Um, so mine is going to be a uh, life coaching podcast for dog called Positive Outlook. <laughs>
3: oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm the worst namer of podcasts, and not to mention pet <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's
1: mine. Yeah, cats and rats. Life at my house. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, gosh, I I need to think of a dog one. I don't even know. You guys are too good. You guys, you guys have had some practice <laughs> that I'm just not. I just I yeah, th- a
0: couple, a couple episodes ago we did an improv class. So yeah, <laughs> there you I go. Uh, that episode, episode yeah. twenty
2: four, I think. Yeah.
3: <laughs> gosh, I don't. I I literally have nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should we let her Okay, up the what's hug? the
1: most boring idea of a pet podcast you could come up with?
3: Probably like my show, which is just like so so like straight to the point. It'd be like the pet show. The pet show. <laughs> there you go. That's okay. the most boring one.
0: <laughs> Whenever you say like you're blanking, I thought that was a perfect podcast for a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: love it. <laughs> so should we tell uh, people if they want to be on the show and have to endure this kind of stuff with us, how they can do that? Should, I, should hey, I do that? Daniel.
1: yeah, go ahead, Brian. It's
2: because Daniel's been Daniel's been doing all the work tonight. Um, <laughs> so if you're listening or watching, and you think to yourself, "Man, I would love to impart some of my wisdom to these people," um, <laughs> we would love to have you on the show. Whether you've got a question that you want to have us maybe help you think through, or you or you're an expert and you want to offer something like Lauren did about how other editors can up their game, podcasteditorsmastermind.com dot slash be a guest. That's all one word: be a guest. That's where you can find that information. We'll just ask for your contact info. If you have some uh, topics that you're interested in, really easy questions, uh, we'd love to get the opportunity to feature you on the show. Podcast Editor's Mastermind.com slash Be A Guest.
1: And if you are looking for the opportunity to build your portfolio and would like to edit a sample episode we would gladly welcome you to do that. We have a sample that we send out to people who just want some practice. So if you go to podcasteditormastermind.com, we can help you out with that too. Just reach out to us and let us know, "Hey, I want to edit a sample of your show," and we'll Yeah. We'll get you hooked up.
2: We've we've done that for a few people. That's been uh really helpful, and I'm glad that the rest of us were able to to provide enough information and enough stuff for somebody to have to edit that they could come out of that going, "I know what I'm doing."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can edit this show, then you're well on your
1: way. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, missing today was Carrie, Coffin, Eric of dot Podcasting.com. I'm Jennifer Longworth, Bourbon Barrel Podcasting.com, or at KY Podcasting on social media.
2: I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at TopTierAudio.com. That's where it links to all of my social profiles, which interestingly are all at Top Tier Audio, because I can remember that. And next to me is?
0: I'm Daniel Abendroth, and you connect with me and find everything at rothmedia.audio.
3: And I'm Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You can find me at laurenwrighton.com or on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash laurenwrighton.
0: I forgot to mention that Lauren also has a podcast. If you are interested in getting into podcast management, her podcast would be a great way to start. And you can find that at her on her website at laurenwrighton.com. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for joining us, everyone. And again, com for past episodes. Like, subscribe, and leave us a review because it really helps with our downloads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Uh um, so how much is that?